Welcome to the Calmer Mom Podcast, where we go from conception through pregnancy, birth, and beyond to help you be the mom your kids are actually asking for. Pregnancy, birth, and motherhood aren't easy, but they don't have to be so hard. You're not alone in this journey. I'm Michelle Noble, creator of the Calmer Mom Project. Mama, I've been there, and I've got your back. So let's begin. Hey, Mama. Have you heard all those stories of beautiful and miraculous pregnancies, and that is just not your experience? Maybe you have depression or fatigue, morning sickness. Are you worried all the time? I have a five-minute quiz that will help you relieve the sucky parts of pregnancy. If you'd like to take it right now, head over to the description of this episode and find your happy pregnancy place. Because what if pregnancy doesn't have to suck? Welcome, 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 mamas. Welcome back to the Calmer Mom Podcast. I'm Michelle Noble, your host, the Calmer Mom Coach, and I am so honored that you're here with us, and I am so honored to be joined by our, by my special guest and my friend, my dear friend, Diana Jehody. Mm-hmm. And you know what, Diana? I meant to ask you this before we recorded. Am I saying your name actually correctly? You are. Excellent. I had the experience recently of a friend that I've known for years. I spent some time with her when she was introducing herself, and I'm like, oh, wow, how awkward. I've been saying her name wrong (laughs) for a really long time. (laughs) Fortunately, her last name, not her first name. Anyway, that aside, Diana gave me her her little bio intro, which I am going to read because I love how it's written, and I love some of the things that are in it, but I might just riff a little on how amazing you are on my own as well. (laughs) Diana currently works full-time as a hospice nurse where she loves helping people to transition with dignity and grace. Before that, she worked as a nutritionist, school nurse, breastfeeding consultant, and maternity nurse helping people to transition into life. She currently offers life coaching and healing sessions out of her office in Seattle where she resides with her fiancé and children. Diana has trained in spiritual response therapy, intuitive energy and embodiment work, constellation therapy, and heart-centered hypnotherapy. And I have been so fortunate to know Diana for quite a few years now. Her daughters are similar in age to my oldest daughter. And I believe, didn't we first meet through the the girls goddess circle yes that we did. your memory as well yeah yes, we and someday i will have vila vila is another amazing coach and healer and mother and she did these goddess circles for our daughters you know isn't that funny how it, it comes around that the goddess brought us together and here we are talking about the goddess and putting more of the goddess out into the world <laughs> oh my gosh that's brilliant so what diana's speaking to yeah is that she is also she is also a best-selling author now, as am I, as our book that we co-authored with a bunch of other amazing writers, amazing women, amazing goddesses, has just come out as of the time of our recording. It's on Kindle pre-order on Amazon. It is called Stories of the Goddess, and it will be coming out in paperback early May, I believe. If you go and pre-order it now, join the wave. Join the rising tide of Stories of the Goddess recipients and pre-order it on Kindle. Then it'll come into your inbox on April 23rd. And then after that, we'll, the paperback will be coming out shortly after that as well. And you can join the rising tide of those who have it in their hot little hand to gaze at the beautiful cover. So anyway, we'll put links to that in the show notes. So yeah, so we are both authors in this book called Stories of the Goddess, which is an amazing collection of 
women telling their stories of their journeys, of empowerment, of their connection with goddesses or the goddess or the goddess within. And we both have chapters and both of our chapters are around topics of birth, conception, motherhood. And I really wanted to talk with Diana and invite her to talk about what she knows about communicating with your baby, even before your baby is born. Mm, Yes. So I have two daughters who are now 12 and 14. And I write about this in my chapter, but from the moment that I found out that I was pregnant, I actually knew I was pregnant before I found out because there was a spark. I felt, I literally felt the spark inside of me. But as soon as I I got the positive test and I was so excited, I realized that there was an energy field around me that was not mine. And when I would go into deep meditation, maybe you want to call it journeying into a theta state, a meditative state, I found that I could actually communicate with this energy field because everything is energy. Everything is energy. And I believe that the consciousness of a soul also has energy. So I began inviting this being, my daughter's energy consciousness, to communicate with me. And I still remember just feeling the essence of her even before she was born. And this is not even inside of me. I felt it around me. It wasn't really until later in the pregnancy that I felt it inside of me. And that was different for each of my pregnancies. But I believe that every single woman has the potential to communicate with the consciousness of their unborn child and to really value what that consciousness has to say. It has it has its own willpower from the very get go, you know, and yeah. I believe that we are much more than just cells coming together. I believe that we are consciousness. We have a soul that that soul can can go on and, you know, go into another realm, perhaps another dimension and eventually be reborn. And my experiences have confirmed that for me in my life. And I would just encourage every single mother out there to tap in, open your heart, open your being to the potential of communicating with this unborn consciousness. I love how you said that, to open your being, open your consciousness to communicating with this unborn being. And I would say this unborn being who has chosen you. Yes. For for whatever, as you said, they have their own agendas. Yeah. They have their own purposes and missions and visions and consciousness. And for whatever reason, which we may never know, yeah. they have chosen you to be part of that journey. I had two miscarriages, one before Rosemary pregnancy and one between the two girls before Gussie's pregnancy. So in those cases, at that time, those beings did not fully embody, right? I mean, they were both between eight and 10 weeks. However, they still chose me. And, you know, so I can from that look at like, what are the gifts in that for me? And just to acknowledge that there was, we spend so much energy on trying to get motherhood right. Yeah. You know, like so much, 
so much, so much, yeah. trying to get pregnancy, like trying to be some kind of a perfection. And, you know, that. so I got off on that side note in a way, but that's part of being open to this communication with the soul is they chose you. And what if you could get really super curious about that? Like, yes. wow, they chose me. Hey, you know, let's have a conversation. Yes. Being, you know, being yeah. who is also infinite. As you said, you could perceive your daughter's being around you bigger than you and your body and certainly her body mm -hmm. before you could perceive her being internally inside of your body. Yeah. We can do that for ancestors. We can do that for other beings. Why can't we do that for the being of, of the, the soul of the little one who's going to be coming through? It's unlimited potential in what we can communicate with. Oh, just that, that what that sparked was about how most people probably may have had a circumstance where they were trying to do something for somebody and were trying so hard to like get it right or do it right or help the person. And then they were able to have an actual conversation with that person. And they discovered that the way that they were trying to help wasn't what was actually required. Or mm. in your case, with all the work you do, the work you've done before you were doing hospice and now the work you do as a hospice nurse, I'm sure that you have a lot of conversations with people around what do they actually require? Yes. What assistance can you actually be? I love that about you. You're not coming in with this like agenda of like, I know what you need and I'm going to give it to you <laughs> and then you'll be better, damn it, because that's what I want to have happen here. You come in in question and vulnerability and openness. So I want to come back to that as like those conversations you have with, with the clients you work with. But like, why do we have this idea that with the beings of our children, we come in with this idea we're supposed to be able to get know everything they need? So, right. you know, like just know it and give it to them instead of actually being in question, having a conversation. Oh, that's so <laughs> beautifully said and so true. Why do we feel like we have to be in control of, of everything? When we can let go of the control is when we can actually be in communion with what is present to us. And this being is coming in to be present to us for something. There's some lesson, there's some learning, you know, whether or not that pregnancy is meant to be held to term, right? There is something in it. And it might be something that we are not even conscious of. I also believe that we have contracts and that contracts can be changed and they can be modified. I'm asking us to go a little higher here in this and that, you know, if we are these unlimited beings of willful potential and intention and we can we can create anything in our lives, why can't we uncreate as well? That is part of the creation process. And so, you know, I've had the wonderful experience of creating two beautiful daughters who I get to co-create with every day. But I also had the experience of creating and going into contract with a soul that when I actually sat down and communicated with her and I let her know that circumstances had changed in my life and would be different in her life than what I had previously thought them to be that she actually chose to not come in. It was a co-creative process. And what I'm speaking to is, you know, the abortion that I had with my third pregnancy. Um, when I tapped in and tuned in to this being and to my myself, it was really clear that it was not in the highest good for her to come through me at that time 
in that place under that, those circumstances. And I just, you know, I honor like the the fact that we can we can uncreate as a co-creative process. We can modify that, contracts. That is beautiful. Yeah. And if you look at nature, the way nature functions, where nature doesn't have such a a fixed point of view, oh, yes. like people tend to about what is good and what is bad. The destruction, if there was not destruction, if there was not letting go, if there was not death, nature cannot thrive. I mean, they talk about when they reintroduced the wolves to Yellowstone, how the whole ecosystem began to thrive. And part of that is some of the populations of the prey animals yeah. were impacted by with death because the wolves were there and yet the whole ecosystem. So when we've spoken about this, about your communication with the spirit that was coming into your body, Mm -hmm. her willingness and your choice to have the abortion. And that came from, that came, I get that came from looking at the ecosystem of your family. Yes. You have your two beautiful daughters, you have yourself, your career, everything you're creating, your, your circle, your amazing community and circle of all these things. Yeah. Your body, honoring your body and what it would require over the next weeks, months, years in order to thrive, your economy. Mm -hmm what it would require to thrive. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, you know, just to be clear, I didn't even feel like she was in my body. I felt like she was still outside of me. And I think that's important because I think if I had felt her inside of me at that point, I probably would have kept her. You know, I probably would have decided that, okay, she's already embodied, you know, but, and that's, you know, for every woman to make that decision for herself and her child, that that's just simply my personal choice and experience in it. We just... You know, if we can let go of these preconceived notions of how our lives are supposed to look and how motherhood is supposed to be all sacrificing in every moment and actually self-care, I think that what anytime we're self-caring, we're actually caring for others too. What's in our highest good is always in the highest good of others as well. It really is. It's just actually knowing and checking in okay what what is in my highest good here which takes time it takes resourcing it takes the ability to go within to feel one's body to feel one's emotions I think a lot of times that's scary for people and they don't know how to do that and so it's easier to just want to try and control everything I know that when I go in with a hospice patient uh, the first thing I do is introduce myself the second thing I do is ask them, what do you want? Where are you? How do you want this process to look? Do you even want to be in this process? Is is hospice right for you? What are your goals? To just sit and take even two minutes with a patient to understand where they're at in this co-collaborative experience in which I'm here to make the best out of a really difficult situation for you. That's my job, <laughs> you know. And maybe that's our job as parents. I was going to say I'm going to I'm going to ask that we put into the show notes and I'm going to give our listeners a little we call it home play, not homework because who wants to work but let's play. Those questions that Diana just said were her questions that she asks when she goes in with a new hospice client who's transitioning at end of life, I'd love for you to take those questions and wherever you are in your motherhood journey, if you are looking to conceive and you're opening yourself up Mm. to 
whatever being might choose to come into your body, ask those questions of that being. And if you are already pregnant, ask those questions of the being that is embodying within you. And if you already have children, in my case, my children are old enough that I could ask those questions of them and have it be an actual conversation if I could mm-hmm. find the moment where they were, you know, whatever those 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 car conversations, you know, like yes. or those conversations that always happen at the time of the night when you the mom would most like to go to bed and be done for the day. That's when those deep heart to heart things like suddenly they're like, you know, mom, I've been pondering the mysteries of the life and I'd like you to help me with that. And you're like, okay, we're doing this. (laughs) So when you have those spaces, if you've got an older child, but even if your child is like one or two or three, you know, have that energy in a conversation with them and allow it's not about getting right answers or clear clear answers. It's not about the answers. It's just about actually being in that question of wonderment. Well, with another ask your spouse or your partner. You know, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I love that so the good. idea of the wonderment because I, you know, I talk about the mystery. That is the mystery right there. That is the, the being in the curiosity and the wonder, which you are just such a wonderful example of, Michelle. I mean, in your daily life, as I know you, you're just so curious and always want to ask so many questions. And it's it's of this place of divine love that you do so, I feel. And yes, I think the trick is, you know, when our, our little ones are perhaps not born yet or pre-verbal, and they can't answer those questions. How do we, as a mature adult parent, get to the place where we can listen, where we know how to listen for the downloads of knowingness that they are communicating to us non-verbally? Because that, that's the key to, to, un, to feeling all of life. I mean, most of my, well, half of my hospice patients are non-verbal. But I can walk into a room and I can sit with them and I can know and have a sense of this is what they need because they're telling me. They're telling me with their being, not with their lips. And I think if we can help mothers and fathers, right, to get to this place where their sympathetic nervous system is regulated, they're calm, they're grounded. They're present in their body. They can actually listen. And so I think a lot of this um, ability or capacity that all human beings, I believe, have, not just, you know, special shamans and woo-woo people, like everybody has this capacity. I think it's cultivated, though, with practice. And, And then that practice comes from healing ourselves and from doing the work to get rid of the patterns and the worry and the thought patterns and the negativity and the habits and the programming and the programming and programming that is all in the way of us being completely present with another being's consciousness. Mm-hmm. So the healing that we do for ourselves is absolutely critical to being able to even hear the messages that our little ones and perhaps dying ones are trying to share with us. That is so gorgeous. Do you have any 
kind of pragmatic exercises or for those who really haven't played with that kind of listening, do you have any, from your experiences, thoughts or information on how that practice could start? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, sometimes we have to get to the point where we're so far out of that <laughs> that we realize we have a problem. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll just share a little story that comes to mind of, you know, when my daughters were six months and two years, I was, I was in fight or flight mode for those first couple of years that my children were young. Um, I was not in my body. I was dissociated most of the time. I was in sympathetic mode most of the time. I was not a healthy mother. I'll be completely honest. And I remember one time where my, they were six months and two years and my husband at the time left for a two week trip to India. And the day that he left, they, we all fell sick with the flu and it was, you know, high temps, nobody sleeping. They were still breastfeeding. So everyone was screaming. They were crying. They were co-sleeping, but nobody was getting sleep. And by the, the second or third day, I literally thought I was going to go crazy. <laughs> I mean, literally, you know, I didn't know how to ask for help back then either. I didn't know how to be that vulnerable. And we lived in a city where mm -hmm. I didn't have family. So I remember getting to the point where I literally thought I was going to go crazy. And I got down on my knees with the two kids screaming in the other room, you know, mama, mama, you know, just, I can hear my six month old just screaming top of her lungs. And I just got down on my knees and I prayed. I remember praying, Lord, you know, God, I goddess, you know, give me the strength to, to be able to do this, to, to be in a place where I can give to these kids. I'm clearly not that right now. And I remember seeing two tunnels and in one, I was ended up literally in the crazy loony bin and through the other tunnel, I saw myself as a healed, actualized, present, grounded, loving mother. And then I actually felt that move through me. And within two hours, two people called offering help and support. <laughs> wow. Right. So I think sometimes we have to get so far pushed so far out that we realize, oh, this is there's there's actually something that I need to do here to heal. And then I think a lot of it is surrender. And, you know, just meditation practices, taking time for self-care to go within. I've reached out to so many healers and teachers over the last 15 years or so. We can't do it alone. There's oftentimes so much trauma and so much of that trauma itself is pre-verbal that we, we have to have someone to hold us through, you know? So there's so many resources of amazing healers out there who are willing and ready to help. And I know you, Michelle, are one of them. And I have, you know, benefited from receiving your services. And I recommend you to anybody out there who's feeling a little off, or they know that they've got trauma, or they're triggered, or their but buttons are pushed, and they just don't feel like they have the capacity to hold it together for other human beings and be that responsible. <laughs> you know, mm. that's your work. It's right there. They are literally pointing you. All of our relationships are pointing us to the growth and the healing work that is that we're here to do. I mean, it's yeah, it's right there. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah, it's right there. And one of the things I love about your story from when your girls were so little and everybody was sick was that 
you perceive two tunnels. And that probably was a point in your life where you didn't really feel like you had choice. I mean, yeah. You could have walked away. You could have just left them, but that didn't probably seem like, you know, like a choice. You probably felt like you didn't have choice. And yet when you allowed yourself to get vulnerable and to ask, you actually did have a choice. Yeah. Because you could have gone, yep, the loony bin sounds like a place I could get some sleep. And you know what? It would have been okay. I mean, honestly, you know, here's the thing. It would have been another round of trauma passed down to my children is what it would have been. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I wouldn't have healed any of mine. They wouldn't have had a mother who was present to them, you know, and they would have accumulated all the trauma that was passed down to me that I didn't know I had until I got pregnant. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. And then it's like, oh, it's all here to be healed. And I'm supposed to take care of children. How? There's too much. But, you know, it would have got passed down. And maybe or maybe not, they would have done the work themselves. And, you know, it's okay. It would have been okay. It's not a right. deal. Neither choice. Right. Those were not a right choice and a wrong choice. There's no wrong choices. There is no wrong choice. Yeah. However, as you say, the possibilities in the choice you made have been much lighter. They've been much lighter. <laughs> Over time. <laughs> yes. I believe, I believe yeah. spirit was showing me, you know, we all have the willpower to choose in every moment that we're in. But I believe spirit was showing me you know, if, if you start down this path, this is this is where you're going to be. This is what it's going to yeah. feel like. And this is what it's going to look like. And I feel like I'm actually there in my life now. Like, I actually feel like I'm 99% that. So thank you, Spirit, for showing me what was possible. Yeah, that's cool. Sorry, there was something else about that I wanted to come back to with that. Oh, one of the tools that, that I teach my clients is to begin to practice to tap into what they would like their life to be like. And when you're describing these two tunnels and how now you see these years later, over a decade later, where your life is like that energy that you perceived as a possibility and you chose toward. Yeah. And by when you when you were on your knees on the floor and you chose toward it, you did not know that there would then be almost immediately someone who would, people who would offer you support. You did not know that. No. And you didn't choose it in order to get that result. You were aware of an energy that was like what you were asking for and you chose toward it. Yeah. And so one of the things that I think is the gift of taking some time, no matter how uncomfortable it is, to be in, in a, I'll call it meditation, but some kind of a state of vulnerability and presence with yourself and practice the art of listening oh, and yeah. stillness is that then it becomes easier. Not only does it become easier to know who you are, it becomes easier to know what you would like to have so you can recognize it when it comes knocking on your door. And it also becomes easier to receive the gift of others, to be able to ask our children at any age, even those that have not even begun as a pregnancy yet, and listen and be able to hear and trust that. And it's a practice. I know, like there are times when I'm going like, okay, I'm going to take myself to a new place with this, and I'm going to really drop my barriers. I'm going to really get vulnerable. Is that a barrier? Okay, what if that was gone? I'll literally lay in bed and I'll go, okay, what do I notice? There's some tension there. Is that a barrier? Yeah. What if that was gone? And that's like curiosity. I won't, I don't try to make it go away. I go, huh, what if that was gone? 
oh, wow, that's different. Not actually more comfortable, less. <laughs> ah. And I've sometimes I've been able to stay with something like that is short for like 10 seconds. And then I'm like, and I got to buy cat food. And let's see, maybe it's time to get up now. Mm, got to go to the bathroom. You know, it's like thoughts come in because it's uncomfortable. But it's the practice of being, if you're willing to stay with that, uh, that unfamiliar sensation that yeah. for 10 seconds, You've just created a whole new possibility. Yes. And maybe next time it'll be 20 seconds. Yeah. And some days it'll be back to five. And some days it'll be five minutes. And some and at some point it can become something you can pull up as a tool at, at will. Yes. At, at choice. I'll say not at will, at choice. Yes. You know, that's so beautifully said, all of it. And I think so much of our unwillingness to go to that place of curiosity and surrender and you know, listening, internal listening is fear. And it's fear. I think that we're going to uncover something that we can't possibly move through, that we don't have the resources for, or that we're, you know, unequipped for, or something's going to break us apart. But the reality is when we actually go there, it's not always comfortable, but we are resourced. It's, in the within of going to within that we find the resources and the tools that we need to move through that discomfort and that fear. If we never go there, we don't even know what we have to move through it with. So it's almost like you just have to take that leap of faith, you know, whether it's the 10 seconds, a leap of faith, right. Or an hour of leap of faith of, Going, you know, and actually looking within and addressing those scared, little wounded, childlike parts of ourselves, that leap of faith of I'm going to just surrender to all of this emotion and all this feeling and all this angst or whatever it is, and then wait for the tools to come in because yeah. they're, they're actually there. And it's also in, I think, in that state that we get the brilliant ideas. And we get the downloads of like, take this step, do this next, <laughs> you know, and or I'm going to help arrange for that phone call to come in for you. Right. I, the universe is working on our behalf. We are so resourced in ways that that we can't even imagine. I don't think we even know how resourced we all are. But when we take that first step and open to receiving the gifts, then it's like the path just unfolds one step at a time in front of us and we can surrender to that process. One of those meditations I was mentioning that I that I found so uncomfortable was a time when I asked if I was truly willing to receive, if I was truly receiving from everything and everyone who would like to contribute to me, what would that be like? And it was so intense mm. and it was exquisite and it was intense <laughs> it showed me how much how resourced i am how the universe the angels the beings of light entities ancestors with and without bodies my husband my children yeah if you take a moment and you ask that question what would my children like to gift to me that mm. i could receive they actually are here and willing to gift to us in yeah. many ways yeah. because they're actually smart enough to know that if they gift to us, we'll be able to gift more to them too. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right. Well, and 
you know, they're, they are little mirrors, right? So they are going to mirror back everything. And when we are in our light, they are going to shine back light to us. And, you know, when we're not, they're going to shine that back too. And we do the same for them, right? So Absolutely. We as the adults have the responsibility to find our light, shine it brighter so that they can get a glimpse of that. Right. And they are learning from us. That's the natural order of love, not the other way around where we are resourced by them. But yes, I believe they have these beautiful gifts to give of their own volition when we open to receiving. So when we can go to someone with when we can go to them without need and receive their gifts, you know what it's like when somebody doesn't you're not doing something for someone because they're needy. Yeah. And they see themselves as victims. But you're doing it from a heart space of something you would like to contribute that they may not even, you know, they may not even like the people who called you and offered to support you yeah. that day. You didn't even know in a way you probably didn't even know exactly what you needed. You d- certainly didn't seem to know who you could call. No. And so from that heart space, they were offering. And if you had picked up the phone and said, oh, no, I'm fine. Don't want to trouble you. Thanks. Right. Bye. And then cried as soon as you hung up and gone back into your desperation. That would have been less of a gift to them than your willingness to receive. Yeah. So, you know, you said we're responsible as the adults and responsibility is responding with what's required. Like when we're willing to do that deep work and be that vulnerability, whatever is required to heal ourselves so that we can bring our light selves, our whole being yeah. to our children. Yeah. It is a beautiful gift. And when we can acknowledge like what they would like to give to us, not from that like neediness of I'm empty and my child is going to finally make me feel loved and valuable. Exactly. But from the space of like, wow, yeah, they are so, they so know so much about enthusiasm. Yeah. Next time you're watch- watching a kid who is leaping about, like ask yourself, what do they know about enthusiasm? that I could receive. Yeah. People say it all the time. Oh, I wish I had a 10th of your, that kid's energy, <laughs> but they're absolutely unwilling to receive it. They wouldn't be willing to have that energy in a million years. They had one fifth of that energy. They'd be like, I'm having a panic attack. This must be a heart attack. Give me a medication. You know, like, cause adults were supposed to be like, Argh. anyway, right. so look at this enthusiasm and go, okay, what do they know about enthusiasm that I could receive? Yeah. And just see what happens. Yeah. Be curious and see like, whoa, yeah. they don't seem loud and annoying now. And I ha- I feel better. Right. <laughs> I've done that. And it's like, it's actually what happened. It was like, I was in a pool with a bunch of loud kids and yeah. it was driving me nuts. I asked that question. I was like, suddenly like, oh, this is fun watching them. I feel better. Yeah. And that was a gift from them. Not because I was, you know, like that was their gift. So yeah. anyway. Oh, um, our children are such our teachers, aren't they? Yeah, they absolutely are. They have catapulted me into whole new realms. (laughs) Yeah, and made a demand for me to show up for them. Yes. That has been not comfortable always, but has been one of the greatest gifts I've received. I honestly think that if I didn't have my kids, I probably would have ended up in the loony bin. (laughs) I'm not joking. I was so far out of touch with, with receptivity. And the balance, mm-hmm. the the feminine, the masculine in my life and the need to control everything. And I probably would have had a mental breakdown by this age, honestly. You know, my kids coming into my life, has, they've been my greatest impetus for healing. And wow. I am so grateful, you know. 
And that experience that I had of the my abortion was one of the greatest impetuses for healing. It really, I encourage you to read the chapter because I can't really go into all of the details of how and why in this you know short podcast, but it opened me up in ways that I needed, but didn't know that I needed because we don't know, really know what we need before we have kids until we have them and we're, <laughs> you know. Exactly what you said. That is, walls, it's yeah. the willingness to make a choice and then what's required shows up and then you make a choice and what's required. It's not about like knowing it all. Yeah ahead of time exactly thank you so much this has been so m- i know you and i we could like sit here you know yeah <laughs> for really long i mean be here talking for a long time oh. i'm gonna wrap it up for today but i'm so glad you've been here i'll invite you back we can talk yeah. more i'm so excited that this book is going out in the world and i have had the great honor and fortune to read your chapter and it is astounding and so i would say to listeners there's probably f- maybe like 13, 15 additional authors besides the two of us. Mm -hmm. I am sure that every single one of those chapters holds gifts, insights, possibilities, invitations, tools to lead us toward trusting ourselves, setting aside that fear, choosing greater, becoming whole. And I really believe that we're women warriors here to change the world. Yeah. You know, it's an offering, It's a beautiful offering, and I hope that people will pluck the fruit, and I hope that they will open to receiving the fruit and the ecstasy and the joy of what it is that we have to share. And I I also hope that they open to the listening, you know, like we, we talked about, just really open to taking a deeper dive into their own consciousness that may or may not be triggered by each of these stories of women sharing so vulnerably. I'm sure that at least one of the stories in this book will push a button of at least one person. (laughs) And if you are (laughs) in that, the world will change. Yes. If you're (laughs) listening and you're that person, this is your opportunity to take that nugget and use it for your healing and your growth because it's showing you something, right? And I can't wait because I know that when I read the rest of these stories that I'm going to be receiving so much and growing and healing and going within and doing my work and processing because, hey, you know, that's what we're here for. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Yay. The growth. Well, and thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I am so grateful for you in the world, Diana, and so grateful that you came on to talk with me today. I feel the same way. Thank you so much for having me today. Hey, Mama, are you curious about something you heard today? For more resources from this episode, check the Calmer Mom podcast show notes. And if you know that easier pregnancy and birth and joyful, confident motherhood are possible, but everyone is telling you you're crazy to think so, Schedule a free chat with me or discover more Calmer Mom resources at calmermom.solutions. You got this, Mama, more than you think you do, and I'm here to help. Thanks for listening.